I'm so glad that you decided to join us at Chi Alpha tonight. And if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Katie Boldy, and I'm one of the associate pastors here. And I would love that chance to meet you after service, so please come introduce yourself. As we start tonight, I want to take you a step into my childhood for just a minute. If you know anything about my family, I have two older brothers, and their names are Dustin and Josh. And I also have a younger sister. Her name is Sarah. She's in the back tonight. (laughs) Growing up, I wouldn't say that we all exactly got along, though, especially with my two older brothers. They would be quick to assert their dominance because they were a couple years over, older than me, and I would be quick to go complain to my parents because they were hogging the TV remote or the PlayStation controller. There were rare moments, though, that turned out just a little bit different, like this next one. One day, I was walking home from school. I was in middle school, probably about fifth or sixth grade, and we lived seven or eight blocks from home and in a small town, so I walked home quite often. It was easy to do. I remember it being a cold and snowy day that day outside, so I was trying to hurry home. I was rushing there. And as soon as I rounded the corner on my block to the house, these two boys appeared out of nowhere. I had no idea who they were, and I, and I, I swear they just like appeared out of thin air. All of a sudden, they started chucking snowballs at me. I freaked out a little bit, and I ran my little middle school self home real quick, and I burst through the front door, and my brothers were sitting there in the living room. And all of a sudden, they got up, their chest puffed out a little bit, their fists were clenched, and they were ready to pummel someone as I stood there crying hysterically, trying to retell the story that had just happened. I'm a little dramatic, if you didn't know. <laughs> they hear part of the story, and they rush out the, do- the door to try to find this, these mischievous children that would dare to pick on their little sister. By the time they got out there, the boys were long gone, still don't know who they were. But that was the day that I learned that I would grow up to have some pretty incredible siblings. They would be ready to step in whenever I needed them to and still would do the same to this day. And I know that may be a little bit of a silly story, but maybe you can relate to that tonight. Maybe some of us have had some people, some siblings or family or friends that would be willing to risk whatever to step in to help us. Maybe some of us have parents that would move heaven and earth to do whatever they can for their children. Others of us don't feel like we've ever really seen that in our lives. But all we can think of when I tell that story is that we wish we would have had someone to do that for us, to rescue us in situations. You know, some of us us have lived through really hard things, and we're tired of fighting. Maybe we've witnessed friends and family that have walked through tragic heartbreak, and we feel like we can't do anything about it. We feel really hopeless. Even though we may feel weak, at the same time, we live in a generation that wants to stand up and fight for the rights of others. We've seen it time and time again throughout the past couple of years through protests, through riots, through social media. Now more than ever, we have come to realize that we need to fight to protect those that are hurting. We understand that there's not much that we can do on our own, but given a united front, we can come together and make things happen. And for the past couple of weeks, we've been in a sermon series called Pray Like This. And we've talked through what it means to pray like a child and to use the acronym P-R-A-Y to format our times of prayer. And the title for this week is Praying Like an Intercessor. So we're going to be diving into what it means to be an intercessor or to practice prayers of intercession. 
And the text that we're going to be using tonight is from the book of Exodus. Now, Exodus is all the way at the beginning of the Bible. It's the second book. It's in the Old Testament, so flip all the way over. We'll be getting in chapter, chapter 32, starting at verse 7. And to catch you up just a little bit on the story that's happening here, a group of people called the Israelites have made their exodus or exit from Egypt. And they've been traveling their way through the wilderness to the promised land. They're under the direction of their leader, Moses, and they set up base at the camp of Mount Sinai. It's been a really tough journey for these Israelites. They've left everything that they knew. They've encountered extreme hunger and thirst in the midst of a desert, but they've also seen God so graciously take care of them and provide food and water in the midst of their needs. They end up agreeing to enter into a covenant with God, and Moses travels up the mountain as a representative for the Israelites to receive the terms of this covenant or the promise that had been made. And while Moses was on the top of this mountain, the Israelites start losing patience. And it ends up they have one of their leaders, whose name is Aaron, start building an idol out of gold in the shape of a calf. And we're going to pick it up here. So Exodus chapter 32, starting at verse 7. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heavens and all this land that I have promised. I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to dive on in. So, dear Lord, I just thank you for tonight. God, I thank you for these words. God, I thank you that you're a big God that's greater than anything that we're walking through. And, Father, that you lean so close to listen to every word that we say. Father, would you speak tonight, Lord? In your mighty name, amen. So Moses and the Israelites had been traveling together for some time. They'd walked, he'd walked with them out of enslavement in Egypt, through the parting of the Red Sea, through manna falling out of the sky, and all while hearing about how these people think that life would be so much better if they went back to the terrible life that they had left. And while Moses is up on this mountain with God, I'm sure that the last thing that he wanted to hear was how the Israelites were still being critical and going so far as to make an idol out of gold. I think if it were me, now might be the time, if I were Moses, that I would love to wipe my hands clean of these people. Moses had that option. If Moses had done nothing, if he had not said a word and he had let God continue, God would have gone ahead with his plans to let his anger burn hot against them. He would have destroyed them as an example. But instead of allowing that to happen, Moses interjects and he speaks up. 
He pleads with God to turn from his anger and not bring disaster upon his people. He intercedes. So the first thing that I want you to get tonight is that when we intercede, we plead with God. When we intercede, we plead with God. And I wanted to find and break up what this whole idea of interceding is. In his book, How to Pray, where a lot of this information comes from, Pete Gregg talks about how interceding is when we try to bring heaven and earth together. He says that intercessors are those who stand in the gap, mediating between heaven and earth as equal friends of both, pleading with God on behalf of people and with people on behalf of God. So that's what this idea of intercession is all about. Like Moses did for the Israelites, we want to ask God to move for the sake of someone else. Intercession is passionately praying on behalf of someone else. We want to ask him to make a way in a situation where it seems like there is no way. Not passively, but with passion in our spirits, to the core of who we are. And I believe that we are given this example in Exodus to show us exactly what that can look like. You know, Moses got desperate for God to save these people and to not destroy him. He knew that he couldn't do it on his own. He couldn't muster up enough. So we had to get desperate for God to move. When we understand that we don't possess that power within us, but it's all through God, and God's, God moves in powerful ways. Now, Moses didn't do this because it would make his life easier. It was probably, in fact, going to do the exact opposite. He would still have to deal with these people that were rebelling. But he did it simply because of the fact that he loved them so much. And he knew that God did too, because that's God's heart for people. You know, part of the reason that God was doing what he was doing is to show us that pleading on behalf of others works. It changes things but also that he loves his people so incredibly much that even if he is burning hot with anger, he will still show grace and mercy to us. And Richard Foster, he's a Christian theologian. He says, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than is within our power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. We plead with God because we love the people that we are pleading for. And this isn't just an idea that we find in the Old Testament with the old ways, but Jesus practiced it too. In John 17, we find that Jesus is interceding for us. He says, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. And you know, this is just one example we can find time and time again throughout the New Testament that Jesus is pleading to the Father to see people healed and to see relationships restored. And when I think of pleading, I think of the day that I visited the Cedar Bend Humane Society. Now let me set this up for you just real quick. I jump in the car with a few of my friends and we set out to visit the shelter because petting animals and seeing cute kittens and puppies will help relieve some stress, especially during finals, all right? Well, I think so. I know and I'm fully aware that this was a little bit of a crazy idea, 
But we had visited the Humane Society before, and I didn't have a problem then, so I didn't think it would be a big deal. But boy, was I wrong about this time. We go in and we walk around for a little bit. We're gushing over the cute names, and we're making sure to pet the most friendliest ones. And then we get to the last row, and there's this pup in one of the cages with the biggest brown eyes that I have literally ever seen. You know those ASPA commercials where they have like the, the dogs and the cats out in the cold and they have like the really big eyes and just really sad and it pulls out your heartstrings? You know? That's what I saw that day. So there's that. My heart couldn't resist. We go and we get one of the volunteers to give us a leash and we walk the dog for a little bit outside and before I knew what was happening, a week later, that pup was coming home with me and her name is Chili. Now, before you think I'm absolutely insane, I need you to know just how much those big brown eyes were pleading with me. She looked so sad, so miserable, and she was begging me to take her home with me. Now, again, that might seem silly, but I honestly believe that if those pleading eyes hadn't caught my attention, that I would have left that day without another thought of getting a dog. But she did just that, and it moved my heart towards action. And to think that we have the chance every day to do this with God. To look up, to talk to him, to plead with him, to move in the lives around us and across the world. We get the opportunity to communicate with the God of the universe. The one who created the heavens and the earth. The one who knit you together in your mother's womb. Who knows everything about you and still loves you so deeply. We get the chance to plead with him on behalf of not only ourselves, but for those around us. We have the opportunity to have God's ear turned towards our words. But the thing is, our hearts have to be moved to action. We have access to all of this, but yet sometimes we don't even act on it. We have to allow God to burden our hearts so heavy for those around us, to plead for them, just like Moses did with the Israelites. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you don't really even feel like your heart is burdened for others. I'm gonna tell you to start that praying that this would happen. Pray that God would help you to view those in your classes, in your workplace, in your dorms, the way that he does, because he loves them so dearly and he wants you to too. Then, get to know people, make some friends, go do something fun. Start praying for them, that Jesus would comfort them through the hard situations that they're walking through, that he would be right in the middle if a a disease is racking their body, that their hearts would be softened enough to know Jesus as their savior. Ask God to move in a mighty way and pave a way when it seems like there is no way. When we intercede, when we passionately pray for someone else, when we plead with God, we get desperate to see him move. You know, that isn't the only thing that Moses did, though. When Moses was interceding for the Israelites, he reminded God of the promises that had already been made. In verse 11, he says, These are your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. 
And in verse 13, he says, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and you shall inherit it forever. So the second thing that I want you to get tonight is that when we intercede, we must speak the promises of God. And Moses is making it a point to bring up the promises that God had already spoken of. God had shown them grace before by bringing them out of Egypt, and Moses was asking for that grace again. He was reminding God of the promises that he had made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Israel. It moves God's heart to remind him of the promises that we already have. And whether those are promises that you feel like the Lord has spoken to you, or those are promises that we can be sure of in the scriptures, Promises like Isaiah 41.10 that says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Or in Psalm 23.4 that says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil, for I am with you. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Or even Jeremiah 29, 11, that says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. We can find countless other passages throughout the Bible that instruct us on who God is, on, who, on what his character is, and the way that he's going to take care of us if only we just trust him. Does that mean that life is going to be rainbows and butterflies and be all perfect? No. Of course not. You may have seen that evidence even throughout your own life, but there is a power that is released when we pray the promises of God over others' lives. In his book, Growing With Prayer, Mike Bickle, he's the founder and director of the International House of Prayer. It's a prayer movement in Kansas City. He says, God's power is released through the principle of intercession, speaking God's word back to God. And a little later, he says, intercession helps us to grow in intimacy with God and transforms our hearts by causing us to internalize God's words as we pray it back to him. You know, when we take the opportunity to pour ourselves over the promises of God, it has the potential to literally change us from the inside out. When we start to understand that forgiveness is offered, that hope is right in front of us, and that we have access to the Holy Spirit who will go with us no matter where we go. Our lives can't help but be forever changed. And we start to pray those promises through intercession over the people in our lives. There's no stopping what God may want to do. We intercede. We pray for others with passion in our spirits because it helps us and those around us. You know, I think it's almost like the times when children keep remembering a promise that was made to them. It reminds me of the time that I took my niece Addison to the zoo. So her and her family live in, near St. Louis, and I drove down to spend some time with them, and I wanted to do something special for her. So we got up that morning, we got dressed, we went and got some Starbucks where I got a, a very large coffee, and she got a cake pop, because she's seven, and we drove to the city. We made a deal, though. I promised that if she behaved, we would get a treat afterwards. You gotta bargain with kids, you know? That's how you get them to do what you wanna do. So we spent several hours walking around the zoo. We looked at all of her favorite animals, and all the while she was a perfect little angel that was consistently reminding me of the deal that we had made. 
She was faithful in reminding me to keep my word. And I did that time. But I think this is exactly what we can do with the Lord. Not in the way that we pray his promises through an accession to get a treat out of the deal, but we pray his promises to see God move in a mighty way. And I think that's precisely what praying the promises of God is all about. About reminding ourselves and God of the things that he has said. Yes, God is all-knowing. He knows everything that he said. He knows everything that he's going to do. But he gains more access to our hearts through heartfelt prayers towards others. So that could look like taking the time to write down some of the promises that we can see throughout Scripture. And then we can pray over that family member or that friend that that promise speaks to. It could look like memorizing the promises of God so that we have access to it at any point. Maybe even, it even looks like for you a little more faith to believe that God is who he says he is and that he's going to come through on the things that he said he's going to come through on. Through intercession, we have to plead with God and speak his promises, but we don't do it for our sake. We do it for his. In verse 12, Moses says, Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. See, the Israelites were really important to Moses. But the glory of God was what was most important to Moses. We need to understand that when we intercede, it is for God's glory. Moses is interceding. He's praying on behalf of his people for God's glory. In the verse he is saying, in effect, God, why would you want the Egyptians to think that you brought these people out into the wilderness just to kill them? I don't want these people to view you in this way. Don't do this. Moses is more concerned about how God is going to look, and he wants to make sure that people will praise him and worship him because of the way that he took care of the Israelites. And again, we see Moses pleading on behalf of the Israelites for God to move and to show himself faithful. A commentator writes, God did not destroy Israel, and he knew that he would not destroy Israel. Yet he deliberately put Moses into this crucial place of intercession so that Moses would display and develop God's heart for people, a heart of love and compassion Moses prayed just as God wanted him to, as if heaven and earth, salvation or destructed, depended on his prayer. This is how God waits for us to pray. God didn't end up destroying the people because Moses interceded. And ultimately, this story would be used for his glory, even thousands of years later as we're talking about it right now. God had a work that he wanted to do through Moses' heart, and he did just that. And Pete Gregg says, the Bible teaches us that our prayers are vastly powerful, vastly powerful. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus doesn't just instruct us to pray personally for daily bread, but also for regimen change, the coming of God's kingdom on earth. If you think about it, it's truly an honor that our words mean this much to God. When we intercede, it can literally change God's trajectory, like it did with Moses. We see it right here in Scripture. That's why it's so important. That's why we're talking about it right now. He prayed, and God's action changed because of it. Our prayers that we pray make a difference. 
even as a college student, sitting right here in the middle of Cedar Falls, Iowa, when you may feel really unimportant, your prayers make a difference. We have the potential to see God move across this campus if only we would get desperate enough to intercede, to plead with God, and then give him glory. He hears us. He listens to us. That's all for his glory, to make his name great. And we've talked about some practical things to do tonight, but I also want to lay out four simple steps that Pete talks about in his book. These are steps that will help us to grow in intercession. And so the first one is to get informed, to engage with the facts. Essentially, we should know what we're praying for. That could be like asking a friend how you can pray for them, or maybe actually really listening when you're asking someone how they are. Maybe it looks like what's researching what's happening across the world, across our nation, to actually know what's going on, not just the big headlines on our social media. Get informed on what's happening. Number two is to get inspired, to engage with God's word. Getting inspired is all about what we talked about with being with the Lord and reading through scriptures. It's taking the time to spend with God to ask him what he wants instead of just what we want. This is so that we can pray those specific prayers that line up with what God is already doing or through promises that we can find clearly in scripture. To get inspired by trying to understand his promises. So the first one is get informed, get inspired. And the third one is to get indignant. Engage with your heart. Getting indignant is all about getting a little bit feisty in our prayers. I think this is one of my favorites. It's moving beyond the nice formalities and it's really praying like we mean it. Pete says we are to pray authoritatively, not as timid servants pleading with the master, but with a quality of confidence, tempered with reverence appropriate to us as sons and daughters of a king. With a quality of confidence, because we are a son or daughter of the king. We're asking God to move in powerful ways, and having the faith that he's going to do so. Be confident that God can hear your prayers. If the scripture says that he knows the number of hairs on your head, I most certainly think that he knows every word that you speak. Get indignant. Don't let your prayers be passive. And the last one is to get in sync. Engage with the saints. This one is all about agreeing with other, in prayer with other people. This is something, there's something special and unique that happens when we unite ourselves together in intercession. So get with people. Intercede for our campus, for our nation, and agree through prayer that God can move. And can I just challenge us for a moment? This goes beyond coming to the things that are already organized. It goes beyond morning prayer or Tuesday prayer or even all night prayer. Although, although those are good things, please go to those. But what if we took up the call on our shoulders and started a prayer meeting with our small group or with our friends? What could the Lord do through that? We're never going to be able to, to continue to reach the students on this campus, the incoming students, the transfer students, if we don't pray for them. If we don't get desperate for God to move in their lives. And if we don't do it, who will? Who's going to do it? If we want to see God move, we have to pray for him to do so. We have to pray for the students across this campus to know the name of Jesus. 
You know, I have this dream that we would see pockets of people throughout our Chi Alpha community that would take up this call, that would commit to praying for this campus, especially with your friends, that we would see you care so deeply about our campus that you would gather together and intercede, that you would stay up throughout the night and passionately pray for the students on the campus of you and I. You can make such an impact for the kingdom if you would take up that call. And let me tell you, you don't need Pastor Derek. You don't need any of the staff to be able to do that. You don't even need your small group leader to be able to do that. All you need is a burden in your heart for this campus and to see God move. So the main thing that I want you to get tonight is that we intercede because we want to see God move in the lives around us. You know, that's our whole goal. We must get desperate enough to see God move, not just for ourselves, but because we are so burdened with the state of our campus, with the state of our cities, with the state of our nation in this world. We give God glory through intercession by pleading with him and speaking his promises. And we've been talking about prayer for, for three weeks now. And maybe you're in this room, you're like, Katie, girl, I've had enough. Let me tell you that I hear you. I get it. But hear me when I say that prayer is a gift. And I can't let you sit in these seats and waste the gift that God has given us. We must be, we have to be a people of prayer. We have the opportunity each day to wake up and have the God of the universe hear our cries. What an incredible thing. We have the chance to see lives around us and across the world change because of the simple words that we are praying. So why do we sit around idle? Why do we worry about all of the things instead of praying about all of the things? asking myself that tonight too. Maybe tonight Jesus is calling you to take some action and to make some moves in prayer. Maybe he's calling you to carve out time in your schedule where you can be intentional, intentional about these passionate intercession prayers. Maybe Jesus is asking you to rise up and take up this call of being an intercessor. Maybe he's asking you to get desperate for your friends, for your family, for unreached people groups across the world that don't even know the name of the Savior that died for them. Maybe Jesus is asking for just a little bit more of your heart tonight, to trust him just a little bit more, to know that he hears every word that you say and that he answers prayers. You know, imagine with me what it could look like if we were a people that interceded for our campus. How many students could come to know Jesus if we were that people of prayer? If we were a people of prayer, there's no limit to what the Lord could do. What if we interceded for people across the world? What if we got down on our hands and knees and cried out to the God of the universe to see their lives changed, to see people that are so lost, so hurting and so broken come to know a savior that died for them, to feel relief from the suffering that they're walking through? What if we did that? We need that. I'll be the first to tell you that I'm broken, that I'm a sinner and that I'm in need of the grace of Jesus. Jesus interceded to the Father on our behalf. 
We deserve death because of our sin, but he took that place on the cross and cried out to the Father for us. What if we started to memorize and pour over the promises that we find in scripture, becoming more solid in who we know Christ to be, and because we love our friends enough to search the truth of the scriptures to pray over them? What if we prayed those promises over our friends because we want to see them understand who Christ is on a deeper level? Because we want to see our friends one day become fully devoted followers of Jesus and live lives of outstanding employees, of good husbands and wives, of good fathers and mothers. What if we were a little less timid in our prayers? What if we were bold enough to say the things that we wanted to the Lord instead of just trying to limit a God that has no limits? What if we got passionate in prayer? What if we weren't afraid to get on the floor and weep over our friends that don't know Jesus? What could God do? What if we took the opportunity to take up the call that Jesus has for us to be intercessors on this campus? What if we got so desperate for God to move on this campus that we sacrificed our time, our sleep, our energy to see him move? What if God is just patiently waiting for us to take up this call of being intercessors to have revival break out on the campus? What if he's waiting for our hearts to be so burdened to make a move that could impact generations and generations? What if he's just waiting for us to rise up and be that people that care enough about the lost souls on this campus to do something about it? What could life look like? What more could we step into? What more could we see for our friends, for our family, and for our world? If you'd stand with me tonight, I believe that the Lord, I believe that he's asking us to make some changes, to let our hearts be burdened and to take some action. Now I think it's time to move. We can't sit around anymore. There's a couple of ways to respond tonight. And the first is that if you're in here and your first impression is that this crazy lady is talking on stage about how I need to pray for others, but I'm not even certain if I know who this God is that I'm trying to pray to, let me tell you that there's a Savior who died for you. He came to this earth as a child. He lived a perfect life. He gave us an example of what it looks like. And then he died on a cross for your sins and for my sins. And he loves you so much to do that. You would do it all over again, even if it was just for you. He hung on that cross to take the death penalty that we deserved. And then he rose out of the grave three days later and he gave us the promise that he's coming back again. There's the Savior that loved you enough to intercede for you, to cry out to the Father for you, He just wants your trust. All he wants is a relationship with you. He's not asking you to get it perfect or to have it all right. He's just asking you to trust him. So if you close your eyes and bow your head, if that's you tonight, if you want to step into a relationship with the God of the universe, with this Jesus that died for you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands in a moment, and I'm going to pray. One, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand. 
Jesus. God, I thank you for those that are ready and willing to step into relationship with you, God. And Father, we thank you for the sacrifice that you've made on the cross for us, God, that we don't deserve it, but God, that you gave it so freely. Father, help that to really enter into our hearts tonight. God, help us to understand that truth, God. We thank you, Lord. You're so good, God. In your mighty name, amen. I think the second way is that I believe the Lord is asking us to rise up and to take a stand. We have to get desperate enough to see God move on this campus and passionately pray for those that we interact with every day. You walk by someone every day that I guarantee doesn't know the name of Jesus, that's never accepted him into their hearts, that doesn't know that there's a God of the universe that loves them so much, that died on a cross for them. Are you okay with that? Father, I pray that you would burden hearts tonight. Let the Lord reach into your heart. Help, ask him to help you see these people in the way that he sees them. And then get desperate to see him move. What could it look like? Jesus, what could it look like? If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands and surrender to the Lord because we need him to be able to do that. And I'm going to pray, Lord Jesus, help us to take up this call. God, help us to understand what it means to be intercessors, to passionately pray for those in this campus that don't know you, God. Help us to not be passive in our relationships, but God, help us move to action. God, we want to see you move in a mighty way. Father, would you break out on this campus, God? I pray that you would touch every heart in this room. Father, would you help us to understand the gravity of what it means to passionately pray for others? Jesus, would you move our hearts tonight, Lord?